Hello and welcome to the SWPL show. This is a working title. If you've got any suggestions of something better, then fire away. I'm your host, Chris Marshall, and I'm joined once again by my good buddy, Mr. Campbell Finlayson. How are you doing, Campbell? Yeah, very well. Thank you, Chris. Um, Campbell, I've been calling you Calm quite a lot recently, so I'm going to try and stop doing that this time, but I, I don't make any promises. But I'll, I'll try and cut it out if I do. Um, there has been a ton of women's football uh, in Scotland this week. So we're going to go through, well, as much of it as we can in the next 45 minutes. We're going to talk about Hibs qualifying for the last two of the, 30, the last 32 of the Women's Champions League. We're going to review the Scottish Cup action from last weekend and obviously look ahead to the weekend's SWPL action. But Campbell, let's, let's start in Slovenia. Hibs have, over the past week, have been playing their qualifying group and for the Women's Champions League to make it into the last 32 would they be joining Glasgow City, who are already there as a seeded team. They had three games against the Georgian, Slovenian and Welsh champions. They started off with a 3-0 win against Niki Tbilisi, two goals from Janie Lee Napier and a Colette Kavanagh goal. They then defeated Cardiff Met 2-1, goals from Amy Gallagher and Joel Murray. And then about an hour ago, well, this is when we're recording the, the podcast just now, Campbell, they defeated Slovenian champions, Enrique Pum Rouge, 2-1, goals from Jamie Lee Napier and Lauren Davidson. I don't know about you, Campbell, Matt, but my take over the three games is Hibs were the, the quality in the group and Yes, there's a couple of hairy moments, especially in the, in the last 20 minutes against Palm Rouge, but I think they fully deserve to go through. Yeah, I mean, I think that was sort of what we were expecting before it began. I mean, obviously, you couldn't really tell too much about FC Niki, for example, who were sort of just as if they didn't exist when you try to Google them, as you said before. Um, but aye, they started well against them. Like Kavanagh's goal, it was an absolute peach in that game, by the way. It was a great goal. And it sort of settled them down early on. And obviously, it was a tough heat in Slovenia. It was a very tough pitch they were playing on as well. It wasn't the greatest part. All three teams were actually they're pretty tough opponents in that they were physical. But Hib dealt with that pretty well, actually, to be fair to them. So they were, you could see football wise, they were the best, but they also coped with it with their conditions. So they must be very pleased with how the thing over the Heather last week has went. Yeah, and you're right to mention the pitch. Um, the game was available on YouTube. Uh, the Hibs Ladies Twitter team uh, put a link to it. It had Slovenian commentary on it, so if you know wanted to learn Slovenian, it was a good time to do it. But uh, yeah, I think it was actually something that was uh, it was definitely playing into the, playing into things. And we, we talked about this maybe before, about how that normally when women's football is played in Scotland, it's, it's an artificial pitch. Whereas obviously in Slovenia and in Benetti, where the, the games are hosted, it was a pretty ropey <laughs> grass pitch, I think it's probably fair to say, Campbell. Um, but Hibs have got the job done. Um, they are play, obviously in the last 32 along with Glasgow City. The draw will be on Friday. Uh, Andrew Southwick, friend of the pod, uh, was speculating whether or not Hibs would play at Easter Road uh, for their qualifiers. And obviously Glasgow City have historically played at Peters Hill Park. What's, what's your take on the, on the next round? Obviously, the last uh, the draw for the last 32 is on Friday. Uh, Hibernian are not seeded. Glasgow City are, so Hibernian could get one of the real big names in, in women's European football. Do you think playing the game at Easter Road is the right thing to do? There's obviously this push to kind of get things into men's stadiums at the moment, and I understand the spectacle, but do you think it's the right thing to do, or would you like to see maybe see a packed Ainsley Park instead? What's, what's your thoughts? I think it depends on sort of who you're playing as well. And obviously, Glasgow City and Barcelona last June, it drew a big crowd to uh, Peters Hill. Hibs obviously played at Eastern Road as well when they played uh, Bayern Munich a few years back. So when you're playing names like that, even the women's football folk know that they're, they're big, big names. So they'd like to maybe play them at Eastern Road so you can see obviously a bigger crowd. If, as you're talking about, obviously, a packed Ainsley Park then does make a difference as well. But 
even there as well, it's, it's still quite open, even if it was a noisy stand. I mean, I, I'd quite like to see it played at Easter Road. If, obviously, if it's a big enough, not not big enough to be disrespectful, but a bigger side that um, people would know of. Have you seen Glasgow City? Obviously, have played some like unknown separate teams and things. So if Hibs were lucky enough to get a lower team from the top seed, then maybe in the part fair enough. But I think to get a big name like expected, then Easter Road would probably be a good venue for it. I guess more people would come out and watch it. I think as well, more people are attracted to the fact. And it's in a big stadium and it's great for the players as well, but able to play in these types of arenas. Yeah, right, the, the draw of a, a big stadium is definitely one that will, will be there. And I've got no doubt that the Hibs players would, would love the opportunity to play there as well. Um, and as you say, if they get a big enough name, then it will certainly make something a lot more appealing. But I think probably if all the women's sides Campbell's, and maybe exception of a couple, I think that if there's one team that are maybe in tune with what the, the players in the squad and, and their fans, and I know, for example, Hibs have got a... Uh, supporters club that I know have travelled out to Slovenia to, to watch the games as well I think they'll probably make the, the right decision across the three games on to try and obviously we know that some people listen to the podcast and they maybe are not fully up to speed with how women's football is in Scotland and they're still learning is there anything that stood out for you over the course of the three games that um, that you thought has really kind of put their, their stamp on the team over the three qualifiers well, looking at obviously the goal scorers, Jamie Lenapier's got three goals in three games, so she of course stands out there. Um, some of the overall play as well has been great, but one for me was Rachel Boyle. Uh, we were talking about this earlier on, as you were saying, she just seems to be very composed in the ball, got that almost a bit more experience that certain other players don't, and she just looks as if she can control the midfield in every game. And I mean, even she's quite a small player, and it's been hard against some bigger opponents who have been physical, as we said, but she seems to have coped really well with it and has got a couple of assists as well. But um, yeah, Hibs have used the squad well. I think I can't really think of anyone that's played too badly, but Jamie Lee Napier and Rachel Boyle, I think, are two that have stood out for me across all three games, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I also think also being able to boost our squad with the signings of Amy Muir and Siobhan Higgins has helped a little bit as well. It's, it has rounded out the squad a little bit, and with European games coming up and, and Scottish, Scottish Cup games and the backlog of SWPO games coming, it'll be interesting to see if that's utilised going forward. But congratulations to Hibernian. Really looking forward to see who they, they, they draw in the Cup. Um, the, UEFA, the UEFA Champions League I feel like saying cup is diminishing that a little bit um, but the UEFA Champions League um, and who knows maybe if it's someone that's cheap enough to get to I might, I might dodge all over but uh, Glasgow City have both find out at the end of this week Campbell though let's move away from the from Europe and back to domestic things and it was Scottish Cup weekend um, first of all we talked about last week about games where we were expecting to see some shocks uh, maybe we weren't expecting to see some shocks in some of the stories that will come out at the back of it I think it's quite nice to see that maybe we are we did quite well with our predictions, I think. It's a change, isn't it, to be perfectly honest. Again, there, um, as I say, I was speaking to Graham Hart as well, and we both, he also picked out a couple of games that ended up being pretty yeah, pretty tight. I mean, we looked at Motherwell against Partick Thistle. Partick, obviously, in the league below, but they held Motherwell until extra time. Also lost two goals in there. It was a bit unlucky for them. But obviously, the game that stands out to all of us was the one at Ainsley Park. Uh, where Aberdeen came from behind to beat Spartans 2-1. I know that game was pretty well covered as well uh, by SWF and things like that, but it wasn't a result many folks saw coming. Obviously, Aberdeen are doing very well uh, in the North League. Spartans are sort of, they're there kind of thing. They're not the greatest of seasons in the top league there, but they're sort of in the middle. But um, once taking the lead, you'd fancy them to go on and win, especially being ahead at half-time. But a bit of a mistake for the first goal that Lauren Gordon did well for Aberdeen uh, to get level and then it's a great free kick from Coley Gover for the second one for them to come back and win it so they'll be delighted they'll be looking to get a good draw again in the second round in the next round sorry 
Yeah, let's let's start with Ainsley Park because, as you say, I think probably Aberdeen beating Spartans two one is the, the pick of the the results. Uh, Kayla McDonald and Gap put uh, Spartans ahead. Uh, she was kind of put played through and she put it past the Aberdeen keeper. But as you say, the the equaliser for Aberdeen's not not the greatest moment in Dear McMahon's life as, as she kind of kind of half passed it back to the defence and Lauren Gordon got in the end of it. And as you say, Chloe Glover's free kick, but. When you watch the highlights back, and as you said, Campbell, this, like, this was one of the games covered through the Scottish Women's Football YouTube channel, so you can go watch the highlights there. Um, I didn't feel like Aberdeen were undeserving of the victory. It certainly seemed like at the start of the game, it was very even, and then for a while, Aberdeen dominated. There was a chance right at the end. Um, Zoe Johnson, who uh, played for Spartans, had a couple of chances, but I actually thought that Anna Blanchard and the Aberdeen goal had a, a really good game, especially one of the wins towards the end of the, the, end of the 90 minutes. Yeah, Aberdeen... Even early on, obviously they fell behind, but they seemed to be, well, they matched Spartans pretty well, given the difference in divisions. Um, I was elsewhere at the weekend, but I spoke to uh, Stuart Mitchell, another friend of ours, who, he covered this game, and he was saying Aberdeen were, they were very good to watch as well, they were very organised, we were getting the ball down and playing some good football, and obviously the results shows that it worked. I mean, it's good to see um, some teams winning games like this obviously we'll touch on some of the heavier score lines later on but this is one of the good arguments for teams playing against a team higher up um, in the early rounds of the cup because it does cause some shocks and that'll be one of the best performances and best results sorry for these Aberdeen players in their career so far so I think it's been good to see even Aberdeen I'm looking forward to see who they get in the next round and how they get on when they get there Yeah I'd also say as well that you set up. I was at the the National Performance Cup final, the under 19s Aberdeen against Hearts, and I was really impressed with their, their under 19 side as well. So yeah, I think it'll be certainly interesting to see how they progress over the next couple of seasons. And um, let's let's talk about another game that you mentioned, Motherwell against Partick Thistle. Uh, Motherwell SWPL one, Partick Thistle SWPL two. Thistle won four games in the bounce in the league. Motherwell maybe having a bit of a Spartan season at the moment, although they were just promoted. Uh, it took extra time, Campbell. Um, now at full time. Uh, Chelsea McEachern, who's really young but super talented, ha- had a host of chances. I thought Sarah Robson and the fact that this goal seemed to be saving everything for about 85 minutes. Uh, but it took a Katie Rice long range effort to break the deadlock, and then Chelsea McEachern finally got her goal. Um, she did also miss a penalty uh, uh, during the second half. But I think when you look at this, Campbell, and I don't know if you've seen the highlights in full yet or not, I think when you look at the scoreline, you think it was really close, but actually I think it was one of those ones where Motherwell just couldn't get the ball in the net. Yeah, I mean, they did have plenty of chances, as you say, having watched the highlights back there, but Patrick Thistle, they're normally a pretty tough team to break down. They are experienced, and you've seen that in the SWPL too, you know, watching them there at weekends. Motherwell, on another side, as you say, they're a bit like Spartans, and obviously they've, they've came up, so they can give them a bit more leeway, but they're another side that they're very young. They've made a lot of changes from the team that got the cup final last year. I mean, again, it's tough for them to really be judged at this point if they can stay in the top league, which chances are they will. You know, it'll be fine for them going there, as you say, in the cup. They take more chances, and it could have been a lot more comfortable. And after the extra time, I think maybe it's just the case of this will eventually got tired. But I think Motherwell, I've not been too disappointed, of course, that's true. But I think work on their finishing, they may have to for the upcoming league games. Yeah, they definitely created enough chances from the highlights. Um and as I said, Sarah Robson in the, the part of this ago had a really, really good game. Um, actually, the notes I've got here, Campbell, has made about 20 million saves. So, I, I mean, I think that's self-explanatory in terms of my take on it from watching the highlights. But as you say, part of this, we knew we were going to be a difficult one for, for Motherwell to beat, and that, that certainly proved the case, but they did eventually kind of get their way through. 
through a quality Katie Rice goal, as I said. Um, so 2-0, they're through to the next round. Um, let's look at another one of the, the games, though, that are between two sides in different divisions, and that's Kilmarnock against East Fife, Campbell. And I don't think either of us had this pegged down as being um, potentially match of the weekend. The highlights that are provided by FC Kilmarnock are brilliant, both for the fact that it shows the weather was horrendous and for the subtle unintentional commentary that goes along the background of it. Um, so please go and have a watch of them. It's, it's brilliant. Um, it finished 4-3 to Kilmarnock. East Fife took the lead um, and then Kilmarnock equalised through a lot of little penalty. Lisa Swanson had them 2-1 up at half time and then East Fife equalised again. A fantastic goal. If anybody can help me out with these five goal scorers, please let me know so I can give praise where it's due. Uh, but then Abby Robinson scored one to make it 3-2. Before new signing from Partick Thistle, Susie McTaggart made it 4-2, and East Fife got a third, but it was a right back-and-forth game, Campbell. Um, obviously, Kamara would be really pleased to get through, but as you alluded to with the Aberdeen result, it's good to see a team like East Fife, who are down the leagues a little bit, really give Kamara a game. Yeah, very much so. I mean, again, as you were saying there, no one really expected much from them. It was sort of, we are expecting Kamara to go and win comfortably enough to get a great point in the league at Hearts last week. And then seeing the score lines as they were coming in, I mean, East Fife had just went ahead and then it was, it was a very topsy-turvy game. And watching the highlights of the Kilmarnock come out on top, but East Fife were well in it for most of it. Kilmarnock, well, probably it was just the experience in the end got them through, but I mean, it's great to see East Fife giving it as good as they got. And they were very unlucky in the end not to get a draw in four extra time, but it was just just the way it worked out. Obviously, says they were ahead and then they were having to chase a wee bit at the end, but they were pleased with uh, how they performed. And it's just, it's just good to see that teams can cope when they're playing some of the bigger sides. Yeah, it is. And we'll, we'll, as, as you've said as well already, we'll, we'll come to this later on when we talk through the rest of the games. But sometimes a game like this can see one side really dominate to an extent where it makes it an interesting interesting watch. Um, Rangers 2, Glasgow Girls 1, but Cal, uh, Campbell, this one didn't get finished. Um, first game at the Hamill Training Centre. Um, and I had to get abandoned. You were as you, you were there. The plan was to cover the game. Um, I'll let you fill in the, the fill in the blanks in this one. Yeah, I mean it was it was dry in Glasgow on Sunday morning, and then from about eleven o'clock it rained, and it rained all the way through the day until late at night. The pitch was fine at first. I was there just about an hour before kickoff, but you could see by the time the players came out, they were checking it, it was fine, and then. During the warm-up, you could see there was sort of puddles appearing a bit in the sort of the half to the right um, nearest the main academy up there. You could see the ball. You could see a lot of the players, sorry, when they were running around and sliding around water was sort of lifting off the surface. It was fine down towards the left. The game itself, when it kicked off, was fine. There wasn't too much of a problem. Uh, Glasgow Girls started really well. I mean, Rangers had made five changes from the team that lost to Celtic the previous week. It was almost as if they were slightly underestimating Glasgow Girls. Maybe Gregory Vigneau wasn't, but that's the way it came across to some of us in attendance there. And then Rangers got a goal through Jade Gallen, but straight away, uh, Glasgow Rangers tripped the other end, closed off, and it made it one each. And then just right on the stroke of half time, Hannah Coakley put Rangers back 2-1 in front. But about half an hour into the game, um, the officials were having a word with each other, and they spoke to both managers. The game seemed to go on. Um, speaking to Ian Ferry at field time, the Glasgow Girls manager, he was saying that he'd said about half an hour in, that it wasn't working, that it should probably be off, but the officials make their own decision, and obviously you need to listen to them. Um, but from about half an hour on, maybe you could see it, there was like five-yard passes, the ball wasn't even making it, but it was just simply sticking in the water, There was the surface water was ridiculous by this point. There was a big crowd in for the game though as well, so it was a bit disappointing there, that obviously they didn't get to see a full game. 
There was also talk of moving the second half onto the 3G surface at the far side, but again, you're not wanting uh, spectators standing in the pouring rain watching the game. You're not wanting to do it either. And you can't exactly change the surface halfway through a game, although there's no rules that you can't, but a lot of players metal studs and things. You obviously couldn't do that. So when the game was abandoned, there wasn't really any surprise from me or anyone else there. And, well, disappointing because Glasgow girls had really put up a good fight and they looked like they could easily went on and beaten Rangers or at least got a draw and taken the extra time there as well. And then, obviously, it's now having to be replayed this weekend and hopefully the weather will be a wee bit better than it was last Sunday. Yeah. Um, what was the, what was your experience at the Hummel like? Because, obviously, they opened the new stand-up with a Rangers under-23 against Chelsea under-23 men's game. This is the first competitive game at it. Um, interestingly, Campbell, for, for in a women's football sphere, it's a, a grass pitch, which you don't see very often. Um, and obviously, then the first game played on it, the game gets abandoned, which is typical. Um, but what, what was your thoughts on the setup up there in terms of comparing it with the standards across women's football just now? Well, the pitch was in maybe pristine condition. Obviously, the rain didn't help later on, but part was perfect. I mean, obviously, I don't know if anyone else is listening has been up to Rangers Hubble Training Centre, as it's now known, but the pitch is up there in great condition. Um, new stand is in, of course. It was it was a good crowd then to say filled up the stand, but even coming in, everything was nice about it. For straight away, yeah, helping the media folk in, sorry, letting us through, getting accreditation, things like that. So you get in, there was team lines provided to us straight away. So everything was done very well. Spectator appearance, um, sorry, spectator experience also seemed to be pretty good for them. As I said, again, pointing out the big crowd, but they all come in and were all happy enough to get a seat in the shelter, so they weren't getting soaked. It was it was a very good experience. From that point of view, but obviously when the game's abandoned, it doesn't help me. It's my first experience of reporting on one, so that's that's good for me, I suppose, in some way. But it was just disappointing that after all the great work they've done to set it up, Rangers, I mean, fair play to them for doing that, that they ended up being no, no full game. Yeah, well, that one, that one started and got abandoned. The other game that was abandoned due to whether the weekend was Hutchison Real against Inverness, Caledonian Thistle, uh, that one didn't even make the start line. So they are both now playing this Sunday, the 18th of August. Um, so keep an eye on those Twitter feeds. I think Rangers have announced a half-two kickoff for the game at the Hummel. I think actually we all yet to confirm when when the game's going to kick off, but it will be on Sunday. Um, St Johnson two, Birmingham Thistle nil. Uh, goals from Ellie May Cowie and Scotland under 19 international Rebecca McGowan make sure that St Johnson get through relatively comfortably. And then we had like a raft of kind of lower league results. Campbell, we had Dunfermline beating Stonehaven eight uh, two. Brodie Rugby Wilson scoring four. Queens Park one five one against West Ike. A hat trick from McEwen. Uh, Dundee City won 4-3 in extra time against St Mirren. It was two each at full time, but doubles from Amanda Primrose and Lewis Smith ensured that Dundee City went through. And Clyde were 4-1 winners over Clark Drive. We'll get to the last three results now, though. So we had three results where the average score was 56-0. So we had Hearts 24, Wraith Rovers 0. Uh, Danny McGinley scored 6, Rachel Walkinshaw scored 4, and there was hat-tricks for Lauren Evans, Robin Smith and Ashley Carse. Uh, Edinburgh, Caledonia, nil. Glasgow City, 16. Uh, five goals from Kirsty Howitt. And Hayley Lauder's 50th goal in a Glasgow City shirt. And West Park United, nil. Celtic, 16. Five goals for Catherine McCover in this one and four for Rosine Giard. The, uh, it's an interesting group of fixtures to look at. Obviously, the teams that are in the leagues are excellent that they're into the, the next round of the competition. But... What's, what's your take on results like 24-0, 16-0 and 16-0, Campbell? Um, what, what's your take, first of all, and then I'll, I'll have my two cents worth? I mean, it's obviously it's tough for these players when you're getting 
beat by that point, especially when it was pouring rain as it was on Sunday. It doesn't help mentally. Um, I feel though for the players, obviously, if you're playing for Edinburgh, they're doing it, for example, and you see you're being drawn against Glasgow City, part of you is that you're never going to really get that chance again. And then you see the team City put out a lot of Scotland internationals. There's only a couple of changes from the last league game as well against Hibs. So it's it's great for them to play against them. Obviously, it's not great when you're losing all these goals, but the same thing can happen in any cup competition. I would say, I mean, I know obviously it's and look a bit harsh, but it's up to the teams as well. They will obviously, hearts maybe not so much. They just they were very ruthless and continuously going on at Wraith and put 24 past them, where the Celtic and Glasgow City almost seem to slow down a wee bit. So, I mean, it's, it kind of worked both ways, and obviously you're not wanting to go into a game and lose by that sort of margin. So it can be seen as obviously it's very lopsided in the end, but at the same time, for these players, they're going to want to play games like this. They're going to want to test themselves. And it's just it's just a great experience for them playing against these players, obviously not in the scoreline. But, I mean, I think you might, obviously a cup run does you well, but a lot of these teams know that they're not going to go on and win the thing. So why not get to play against some of the bigger teams when they can? Yeah, and I think there's a, an element of that I agree with. The other two fixtures... Uh, from, well, the other three fixtures actually from this round. Um, Sullivan University and Hibernian was postponed, obviously, because of Hibs Champions League involvement. But Forfra Farmington against Stenish Muir and Kilwinning against Hamilton were both postponed because neither Stenish Muir or Kilwinning could get teams together. Um, I'm just not sure what message it sends to people who are looking to invest in women's football in Scotland. And let's be honest, that is what people are talking about just as much as what's happening on the field at the moment. To see a third round of the tournament Let's be honest, it's kind of the marquee day in most other cup tournaments when the big sides come in. And you see things like games unable to be played because for whatever reason, and there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that the teams that weren't able to field players would have absolutely loved to, but were unable to. And you're seeing results like 24-0, 16-0 and 16-0. I was watching all the highlights for this, obviously, before we started recording today. And I'm going to be honest, as a spe- if I was putting my spectator head on, I got I got bored of watching that. And I don't, I'm not sure how that attracts new people to women's football to sit and watch something like that. You could also see it in some of the players that they felt it was a bit off. I'd be really interested to get some players' takes on it. Um, I know that Graham Hart, aforementioned Graham Hart, um, is very much the opinion that yes, this, this is something that should, this is how the cup should be and shouldn't change it. I put a quick Twitter poll out this morning where I've. As I said last week, I was in Amsterdam, so I've not been in full faculty until about 12 o'clock today. Um, but the the majority seemed to suggest that they were happy with how it is. But I'm just, if I was, if I'm putting some another head on as opposed to a fan or as a player, I'm not sure. What what's your take about players not teams not being able to actually fulfil the fixture Campbell at this stage? Because obviously they've they've worked to get to this point. But Stenish Muir had to play their game twice to get to this point. Is it something that? needs to be facilitated by Leeds so that the game can get played? Or is this just, this is what happens when you get to the stage of the competition? If you can't fulfil it, then tough. Is that is that the stance we're going to have to take? I mean, I think you need to be in, in certain cases, just sort of, you need to get to the point and say, if you can't play it, then you can't play it. But at the same time, if these players are only not available for one day, can they then say that it's due to work commitments? Can that not then be moved to a different weekend or a midweek or something? Or... Is it simply because if they're through injury and they can't feel the team due to injury, then that's obviously understandable. But I think a lot of the time it also comes down to people pardon me, their work. Because a lot of these, most players actually, are, well, all the players, sorry, are part-time. Um, 
So try to balance your work with actually then playing for your team can be hard as well. So I mean, maybe even if their work's are sort of saying, look, you can go and take the weekend off because you've got a game or take this day off because you can get a game and actually let them play because it'd be a big deal. Some of these players, I mean, Stenhouse Muir getting to go to Station Park, play forfeit, or winning obviously would have been playing it's good for some of these players to go and get a game, but it all depends on what the reason for them is um, to miss it. As you're saying, if it gets to the stage where you the next round to be played in a couple of days and they still haven't played it, then perhaps say, right, we can't you can't play this game's been forfeited. Such and such is playing. Give them obviously a bit of notice, but I mean, it's a hard one really. Again, I think you should probably give them another week or two to get a game played, but it only really do that if they can guarantee that players are going to be available and not working or in charge of other commitments. As even though just the case of, and to, to give the results of the poll, as I said, very small sample size because I did very short notice, but 63% of people said they were happy with the Scottish Cup as it was. 25% says it needed to change, but 13% saying they don't mind either way. Um, now, I can't see who these people are, so I'd be interested to see what that split is. Um, the feedback from the comments on it were yes, from Stuart, who we've spoked about already, it's great to see a national competition in games like Spartans and Aberdeen. Some games may be a foregone conclusion, but it gives sides competing at different levels a chance to play best in the country and deservedly make their mark. And we've obviously already talked about Graham's comments as well. But I think Campbell's a difference between a foregone conclusion and something that what what the benefit is for, for the teams involved. I mean, what do and let's let's put a Scotland hat on. Let's say Scotland women's national team are playing their first qualifier of the European Championships in a couple of weeks' time. What do players like Nicola Doherty and Hayley Lauder? What what do they gain from going to Edinburgh, Caledonia, who by the way are undefe- were undefeated in their league so far this season and winning sixteen 0 It just I understand the desire to make sure that players get the opportunity to play this, but I also think in terms of a product, and I'm, I know I'm using marketing to speak here, but it's only because it's something I'm interested in, and I think it's something that's very, very important to Scottish women's football at the moment. I just, I'm not, I'm not sure if that's really the the right message to be sending out at the moment. How you then get around that? Because I suppose Campbell, the question is, you couldn't. At what point do you actually bring these teams into the tournament? Because it's not like a case of you can get to like the last. Well, this is probably the last stage because you're, you're only in the last 32, and then from there. The last 16 there's only 16 teams in, in the SWPL too so I don't know I think it's maybe I think it's something he's looked at but if teams are happy with it then do we just run with it I'm, I'm just not sure I'd love to hear people's feedback so if you listen to this and you have an opinion please share it um, because this is all about making women's football as good as it can be and making sure people talk are talking about it so by all means let us hear it but Campbell all the big sides are through um, Spartans obviously against Aberdeen would you say that was probably the result of the round for you? Yeah I mean it's a standout one obviously as it ended up with the bigger side getting knocked out but even like say Kilmarnock because we talked about getting run close as well games like that are good to see but yeah I think the game of the round you're talking about has to be Spartans 1 Aberdeen 2 Absolutely um, so yeah keep a wee out for the draw for that and we'll obviously be talking about that when that happens but League action is now back uh, this coming weekend, Campbell. Um, it's slightly truncated fixture list, as, as we've discussed, because of the F, uh, FA Cup, the Scottish Cup um, uh, games that need to be played. So Hutchinson Vale against Inverness, Cali Thistle and Rangers against Glasgow Girls. So it means we only have three games in SWPL 1 and two games in SWPL 2. First game in SWPL 1 this weekend is Stirling University against Hibernian. 
bottom place still. You know, he obviously got a point last week against Hibs, who didn't have obviously disappoint to lose to to Glasgow City in the league, but I've obviously had a, an excellent time in Slovenia. What, where do you see Sterling Uni having a chance of getting something out of this one, Campbell? <laughs> um, I don't, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I think I don't want to be rude to them, of course. No disrespect to them, but Hibs are clearly the better, the better side, as the league table shows as well. And they were looking to bounce back, having lost, as we said, to, to Glasgow City in the last game, to try and keep up, well, chase for Celtic, as it is actually at the minute. Um. Maybe I'll be tired having come back from playing three tough, tough games in uh, Slovenia. So that's maybe an, an area sort of Stanley Uni can look at, but I can't see them challenging Hibs enough to take three points off them or even get a point. I mean, you can't look past Hibs from winning that game. Yeah, I think it's I think it's probably easy to suggest that Hibernian might get distracted by Europe and obviously the, the, the result in the league maybe probably rules him out of the title race. But I think that it's probably also fair to say that They'll still be keen to keep momentum going, and now they have a squad of players that are looking for uh, looking for places. They've also got a Scottish Cup game at Stirling University uh, next week as well. So, absolutely, I, I expect Tabernian to win. I think most people would, but I'm, I'm very interested to see Stirling Uni and, and how they progress because obviously there's been a lot of chat about how they over the next couple of weeks might start to see their squad boosted a little bit as players return from the from the academic year. Um, second game of the day is at Station Park. No, it's not. It's at Ainsley Park. Uh, Spartans are hosting for for Farmington. Um, Spartans, you alluded to it earlier on, Campbell. Spartans are kind of it's kind of floating a little bit at the moment. I, I'm not quite sure what they can do to alleviate that. Just to uh, four for Farmington, obviously uh, Nathan Flight coming in and getting another point, so that they're still three points clear of Stirling University. But do you think this is one four for Farmington are maybe looking at and going? They've seen what Aberdeen did at the weekend. Do they think this is one that they're, if they're realistic about pulling away from Stirling University, they want to get at least something out of? It's got to be one that they have to look at. I mean, you look at it obviously both ways of Spartans lost at the weekend, they'll be down for if we can go and kick them again. At the same time, Spartans are obviously going to want to bounce back from the shock defeat that they had on Sunday. So it works both ways. They had four for, they've obviously had a free week, so they're maybe slightly fitter at the minute. They're, they really need to win games, as you say. I think Spartans. They're, just, they're almost they are kind of floating around haven't really impressed me the three or four times I've seen them this season as much as they have done in previous years so first of all we'll look at it as a chance of getting something certainly you feel Spartans are probably still just about have enough but it won't be an easy game for them I can see it being quite a tight one to be perfectly honest it may only be one goal either way that does it yeah it could be the case I mean Spartans have had a couple of, of decent results this season they've obviously got to the semi-final of the SWPL Cup and they, they've taken points off of Bernian but yeah, it's it's hard to really judge Spartans fully because I don't, if, if I'm being honest, I don't see enough of them yet at the moment. I, I see the highlights when when they're available, um, but it's a kind of side of the country I don't I don't tend to cover very often because there's, there's people over there that do that. But yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see. But I think if Forfar do want to kind of get away from Southern University, then this will be one that they they'll be eyeing up. Whether or not they can do it though, it'll be an interesting one. And as you say, there's a very much good possibility that Spartans will bounce back from that. That disappointment result in the Scottish Cup and, and look to right some wrongs the next weekend. The final game in the SWPL win, let's be honest, Campbell, it's probably the biggest game of the weekend. In fact, it is the biggest game of the weekend. Glasgow City against Celtic. Glasgow City taking on their latest second-place challenger. Five-point difference. Celtic on a six-game winning streak. Glasgow City, 11 for 11. Um, it's a 10 past 2 kick-off at Peters Hill Park. Where we talked a little bit about it like, the other week. Um... Where can you see Celtic if 
if they are going to mount a serious challenge, they'll need to win this one. Where can you see Celtic potentially causing Glasgow City damage, if if at all? Celtic going forward in the last few games have done really well. Start with the likes of Kathleen McGovern, Josephine Gia. They've got the players that can cause them trouble. And the Glasgow City, as we know, and Rachel McLaughlin and Nicola Docherty, they've got two full-backs who love to get forward. I mean, Docherty spends most of her time, most weekends, way down on the left wing. Rachel McLaughlin's an old winger herself. With them going forward, if Celtic can try and obviously mean, uh, contain them sorry, and get the ball out wide to these sort of players, then they may have a chance there. Glasgow City, you always feel a bit too strong. Never go into a game and back against them. But that is one place, even watching them in recent weeks, even against Hibs, where Hibs didn't really capitalise on it. They were playing Shannon McGregor out wide, so it's not the paces to players. And when that could have been someone else with a bit more pace, the ball could have been going out there for them and chasing down these wings. I think that is an area where City are not weak, because these players can still defend, obviously, but it is a place they can be gotten at. But you need to be really defensively solid as well. Kirsty Herbert getting another five or six goals on Sunday there has been doing it in the league all season as well. Even the likes of Clear Shane, Healy Lauder, there's players there that are going to score for City. So Celtic really need to just be solid at the back, as solid as they can be, and try and catch them probably down the wings on the way forward. Obviously, they, they ran them close up at Lennox Town earlier in the season, um, and I know that they actually, some of them felt it was a, a little hard done by not to get a result of that game. Do you think it's a case of Celtic, as you mentioned, that I, I was at the old, uh, old Firm game the other week, and um, I was impressed with how, how good they were going forward. Do you think it's maybe what's what do you think Celtic's best strategy is the best strategy to try and get that early goal and then ride out from there, or is it to try and hold and see if they maybe with twenty minutes to go can just kind of go gung ho for it? I mean you can't sit back and sort of just defend against them all the whole time because City will break you break through eventually, but you can't exactly take them on either. You can't go head to head with them because they will then just simply rip you to bits, as most teams find out. So I think for Celtic it will be keep it tight don't give away any early goals like Hibs did didn't help them at all and they end up chasing the game so keep it keep it tight early, early doors and um, then sort of try and push on get them on the break early doors and if you say as you get to like 20 30 minutes to go then maybe you can start pushing a few more players forward to try and get uh, get it City but you really need to be careful that you don't put too many players forward and get caught out on the break the other way because if that happens in City score it'll be a long afternoon for Celtic when you're chasing so Campbell, are we saying if Glasgow City win this on Sunday, is it is it over? Are Glasgow City destined to be champions again? Mathematically, no, obviously, but I think realistically, I have to say it would be. I uh, can't see Celtic or Hibs chasing it back from there if City come in again uh, on Sunday. Yeah, I mean that's kind of how I feel about it. I think it's going to take something pretty pretty spectacular. Even if I mean Celtic win, that changes the dynamic obviously a lot, but. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. So let's let's move away from a league that's starting to look like it's heading in one direction to a league Campbell that doesn't know what direction it's heading in at any point ever, it seems at the moment. Um, two games in SWPL2 this weekend. First up is FC Kilmarnock against Partick Thistle, fifth against third. Uh, FC Kilmarnock coming off the back of a 1-1 draw with Hearts at Arrive and Partick Thistle, four wins on the bounce uh, following that 1-0 win against St Johnston. FC Long obviously had that, that, that game at Rugby Park against East Fife and Thistle coming off that defeat, but uh, uh, not, a, not a bad defeat at all against Motherwell. We obviously watched part of Thistle last week and I've seen FC Kilmarnock a couple of times this season. It's getting to the stage now, at what point do, does this start thinning out a little bit? Would you say, for example, Dundee United, who are on 17 points, it's only a point behind FC Kilmarnock, but if you look at the other game this weekend, Hamilton playing at St. Johnson, if Hamilton win that, and one of these two sides lose, do they do they become a little bit detached from the rest of the group at the top? I think St Johnston already have, as we've spoken about. Dundee United 
even looking at their game postponed this weekend. It's against Hudson Vale. They've got them to play twice. You would expect that six points. So straight away, that makes a difference. Because everyone else only got to play them once. So it, it does open it up again. Glasgow Girls against Hearts, another game that's been postponed this weekend. But again, it'll have a big impact on the league. So I wouldn't really like the United or Coman yet. I think Kelly would probably have to win against Thistle to really be there, though. Because a defeat may well throw them out then. But Dundee United, as we see as well, they've picked up points. You wouldn't expect them to do the two games against Hutchie Vale. You'd expect them to get another six at the end, but right up on top of everyone. Whereas Aki's and Hearts, as much as they're the two at the top, they've also started to play each other. So there's still plenty that could happen. I would say there's still four, maybe five teams in with a shout of being up there. Yeah, so obviously FC Kilmarnock and think part of Thistle are in that Jason Pack. Uh, part of Thistle are currently um, the wrong number. I'm just looking at my stats I've done for the SWPL website and they're wrong, so I need to fix them. Um, but yeah, currently two points behind leaders, FC Kilmarnock six. And then leaders Hamilton Ackies travel up to Perth to play St Johnston. We've mentioned that St Johnston seem to be just kind of like the recurrent hard luck story of the season so far. They're, they're playing okay, but they're not getting the results. Ackies four wins in the bounce, um, 24 points in total. This is an opportunity to get a bit of space between them and Hearts, uh, with Hearts not having a game due to the Glasgow girls' postponement last week. Do you see this being a Hamilton victory, or could this be one of the ones where St Johnson can maybe get something out of the out of the bag they weren't expecting? It's one of these games, we're just even looking at the fixes now, that it would be a typical Hamilton game to go and drop points in. Same with Hearts, they drew with St Johnson. Well. St Johnson, you look at, I don't remember them playing badly any time I've seen them this season. They have looked a pretty decent side, but they just don't score enough goals. And then they're obviously losing games by the odd goal here and there. So they, they'll run Hamilton close. They're, they're not an easy side to play against. And if St. Johnson get an early goal, then who knows what could happen. If they take the lead, obviously, and Aki's are chasing, then it becomes a different game. But Hamilton as well ran, we ran close with United last week. That was a tight game, but United had chances too. So, I mean, it's, you would still fancy Hamilton too, wouldn't it? But I don't think it'll be as easy as some people may expect. Yeah, I think I think the result against Dundee United last week was a, a big one for Hamilton, obviously um, making the substitutions and them coming on and making the difference to get that 2-0 win. But you are right, both Hearts and Hamilton have been the two kind of leading the way. Yes, as a, as a chasing pack, but those two have been pretty much leading the way throughout the season. Have had the odd blip in them, and as you say, St. Johnson have never, never been poor whenever I've seen them. They've always been in the game, so certainly something that's possible. Um, where are you off to this weekend, Campbell? What games are you you're looking to cover? Well, I'm heading back to try and finish my round at the Hamill Training Centre, if you will, that game, I mean, obviously, as you say, I think it's a huge one, and if it had been with Glasgow Girls Hearts, both games on, I may have went there for a, a huge double header in both leagues, but Rangers-Glasgow Girls was a good game on Sunday before the rain called it off, I'd like to go back and see just how Glasgow Girls can uh, get back at Rangers again, when there's no rain to sort of level it off, and if they can produce the same performance as they did, and whether Rangers will revert to possibly a stronger team that they could have played on Sunday. Yeah, I, I was looking at Rangers Glasgow Girls, but you're going, and I think that's that's only fair that if you're going, I, I go and cover somewhere else. So my plan is to do Sterling Uni against the Bayern and then head up to Perth. Yeah, so that, that's my plan for the weekend, a game from each division. But obviously we've got Scottish Cup and obviously all the other Scottish women's footballs today, uh, fixtures that weekend as well. So if you're looking for a game on Sunday and you don't have one, then please visit the Scottish women's football website and have a wee look at the fixtures that are there. Just one other uh, thing to talk about, I think, before we finish up, Campbell. Scotland are playing Cyprus in two weeks' time. It's at Easter Road. Tickets are available for a fiver. Um, you can get them from the SFA website. Uh, first qualifier for Euro 2021, which has been held in England. So hopefully Scotland uh, get there. And um, it's a nice wee road trip for lots of people. But for now, thank you very much for listening. Uh, Campbell, thank you very much for coming on. 
Cheers. Cheers. Short and to the point, loving that. Um, and of course, any comments, feedback, or questions, please let us know. But until next week, thanks for listening. <laughs>